What's good? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Green Room with Big Time NBA Champion Danny Green. I am Harrison Stanford. Best believe there is a bunch to discuss on this fair show. Uh, and we will try to get to all of it, including what happened in the Cavaliers' uh, end of the season playoff series against the New York Knicks. Some of the comments that were made by some of those key players. Some of the comments that were and actually were not made by Dylan Brooks, John Morant, and the Memphis Grizzlies, Danny's former team, as they were ousted by the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. And of course, we'll touch on the new Western Conference series. But first, DG, now that the season is over, I'm expecting you to be breaking down your fair shares of X's and O's on the national airwaves, maybe ESPN, maybe somewhere else. Who knows where you might be popping up over the next month and a half until we go through the finals. But you got to take at least a little bit of a vacation. Like you, you put in a lot of work to get back on the court this year after the L, the ACL and the LCL injury. You should definitely disappear for a little bit. I mean, that's the plan. I don't have anything officially planned yet, but you know, when the season's over, you kind of start making plans of where you want to go, what you want to do. It's a different summer for me. I have different things expecting. Um, so I'm just going to be chilling at home with wifey and also still rehabbing. You know, even though I came back and was cleared, I want to make sure my knee is good. And, and I kind of have to, you know, reinvent or reprove myself again to teams that I'm capable of since, um, you know, I wasn't having, able to have an opportunity to do so this past year. Um, so I want to stay on top of the knee and make sure I rehab it. It may not be full time, but I'll still be tapping in, you know, two or three days a week. I'm making sure the knee is right and strong and, and making sure I get back to where I was and the things that I want to work on for that. Um, but uh, because the, end, the season ended so abruptly, I was able to uh, take on a quick turnaround trip to surprise my younger brother, which this will release when before or after I see him. So he's playing over in Sweden. He's in his finals right now uh, of playing, in, I think, the championship round or the finals round. And um, I think they're up 1-0 on this team. So we're flying out tomorrow to go check him, hopefully meet him. By, and he plays Monday, I think, is game two or three. So I'll see him Monday for his game two or three and another game, I think, on the third. Also, be able to celebrate my other brother's birthday while we're there, Rashad. Nice. You know, Shadi. So Shadi's birthday is the third. So we'll be able to celebrate his birthday and be there. You know, me and my dad. And my dad's bringing my younger sister, Summer. We weren't able to bring Dante. Uh, but we're going to go to surprise him. His girlfriend reached out. She... uh did a good girlfriend job by uh, making that's sure good, to support job. support him, but also get his family to support him. So she reached out and seen that the schedules were free and that um, I possibly might have been coming home sooner than earlier, which I didn't plan or expect. So it cost me more than I would like to to make it happen because yeah. I had to plan all this. I wasn't expecting to be free this early uh, to make this quick turnaround and fly to Sweden within a couple of days of ending the season. Um, so it was not planned, but it is part of a small vacation package that I'm able to you know, get free, but also support my younger brother and uh, enjoy part of the, you know, what, what Sweden has to offer. No, it's, bro, I know it's a last minute thing. It <laughs> probably was way more expensive yeah, than if you planned it months ago. But yeah. that is uh, very unique. And who knows? It could be once, it could be a one, it could be a once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Life, that's what I experienced. I don't think that said during his tenure of playing, I've ever been free. And I don't know if I ever will be free to visit him overseas to play. Um, hopefully I will, but I said I'd take this opportunity and take advantage of it. And I've never been to Sweden either. So it's like, all right, you know, it's kind of a win-win. Um, so yeah, and uh jumping on a plane tomorrow, man, and then trying to get there and surprise him, man. Hopefully he'll be, you know, excited, happy, and open arms, and I'll get a chance to not only support him, but experience another country. And I said, never know when this opportunity will happen again. 
No, that's that that that's absolutely fire to me. Um, but me, while you're gone, I'll be watching the NBA like I always do. Will you? I'll be hold watching on, too, bro. I'll, I'll catch nah, the game hold before on, I fly no, out. We're gonna see. I think you might be capping. I think six-hour time difference, bro. You know, oh, it's a six-hour time, time difference. Oh, that's not you know bad. the okay, difference. Come on, man. Come on, man. From the East Coast, bad. I think it's six hours. Yeah, I ain't missing it. I ain't missing nothing. Wait, six hours ahead earlier? of us, I think. Yeah, it's six hours ahead. Of, yeah, I think they're six hours ahead of us. So, yeah, which is nine hours California time. So yeah, so right now it's midnight here. We were late right now. Six a.m. right now there. So I guess the oh, ten o'clock. Oh, you'll be. Oh, seven you get to watch games, it early in the day. Four thirty, yeah, four or five in the morning. You know what I'm saying? I'll be up catching the games. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's not bad. That's actually yeah. not bad. Honestly, I, I, we were we were we were about to talk about basketball, but now can I get on a rant? Oh, you go ahead, man. Just... Feel free. It's where, it's where we rant, bro. It's where we've been. Oh, so. yo, bro. Let's have it. I can't. Kid. I can't take this living on. The, I, okay, let me not let me not say this. Living too on the loud. east coast, time. Huh? <laughs> I love. I love. I am from New York. I love living on the east coast, or I rather yet, I just love being from New York. But these sports yeah. finishing at one o'clock in the morning well, is night, ridiculous. Man. I can't take it anymore. When I have to have Pacific a life coast. outside of sports. <laughs> I have to. Got to move back to California, kid. And you have you know what I'm saying oh, earlier games. Gosh. You know what I'm saying things end earlier. You can still go out at night. Now when these games over at the East Coast, ain't nothing else going on after that. You could barely get order food. So you know, <laughs> bro, it's terrible. And then like, like you know, like I'm a single man, so like you know. I'm trying to watch the game. Have like, a little I, I date should, after. I should be locked in. <laughs> I should be locked in for these games, but nobody's trying to go on a date at 1 a.m. So uh, it's and then and then recently too, you think you could avoid some games, you know, like for a certain occasion, but now they got the fight game. You know what I'm saying? Every damn yeah. week, it's a big MMA MMA fight. So you had Tank versus Garcia the other week. I'm like, yo, I can't take this anymore. Can we can we not schedule sports on Saturday nights past a certain time? There's no date night for you, bro. After the games, you can't. You don't have to watch the games on date night. You have to have it's a sports happy hour dates. You're gonna talk to I a girl. Go dates happy, sh- you're in happy hour. You better. She better be a sports fan too, man. You make sure you you have TVs nearby uh, and you can watch the game. So bye, sorry, bro, sorry to hear that, man. But the Pacific <laughs> but Coast I, is another reason why I, I moved there and I call it home now. I do love that I'm from New York. I do love New York. But the reason why I, I moved to the Pacific or the West Coast and have Pacific time. Um, was another that's another reason other than the weather, so yeah, yeah it's, but it's back only, to sports, man. Back, only, to yeah, yeah, back to basketball, back to basketball. It's only happy back to hour games nowadays. Let me just say, that. um, all right, all right. back to about, about round one, yes, uh, eight yeah, we'll get, seed we'll, upsetting yeah, we'll the one seed. We thought we'd never see it, um, and I, I didn't think it was happening, but said after seeing, I thought I, I never counted Miami out, I was never one to, but after seeing them play Atlanta in the play, and I was like, maybe they're not, it's not this year, you know, not, it's not their year, I don't see them. You know, any other year, it's like, all right, whatever seed they are, you know, Jimmy's going to come and, and give whatever team hell, and he's going to have pieces around him. This year, I, I doubted him. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll never doubt Jimmy again. The guy proved me wrong time and time again. Uh, even playing against him is a pain in the ass, but watching him play and not just beat them, but bully them, talk trash, you know, and come in their crib. And the way he was doing it, man, and said, and I heard, I watched, you know, I watched the the road tripping pod and RJ and Channing. Is I never seen a good a good group of defenders like that get beat like that or get dogged like that. I, I said, Milwaukee has a great group of defensive guys and a defensive team, and for Miami to continually score 120 points a game when they were the lowest scoring team in the league, you know, Kevin Love was balling out, Kalo's balling out, Gabe Vincent balling out. Uh, Caleb Martin balling out. So Struess, they all had came up in right 
perfect time into, you know, each game for them to win those games. Obviously, it's a different story, Giannis being hurt. But Giannis in the last game, um, the fourth quarter in overtime, didn't look like himself. So um, the injury might have hurt him a little bit. But it's a different story. And, of course, Coach Bud, shout out to him. My condolences to him and his family. Um, lost a brother this past week. Um, but that's a tough series to go through with your know, injuries and those type of things happening outside of basketball. Um, so, yeah. But all in all, as a sports fan, not knowing those things, it just looked like a complete meltdown. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was wild. It just it, I, we, we we'll talk about that. We'll we'll, okay. we'll we'll get to more about that series. I I do want to do a full breakdown of uh, Heat and Knicks. But yes, that is a shocker. It makes it feel like March Madness for sure. Yes. Uh, all right, so we're gonna, we're gonna spend about five minutes on each series uh, and try to give uh, our audience a little insight into your three time NBA champion mind and my uh, sports betting mind and see, you know, what intrigues the ones who decide to listen and watch us. Uh, all right, so let's start Suns and the Nuggets. And let me tell you at least what is cheap among my mind. And I couldn't believe it when I was like, look, when I was looking at all this, the series, because when I usually look at, like the normal person, I'm like, just looking at the names. Oh, they got KD, Devin Booker, uh, Aiden and CP3. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a wrap. But... As well as Booker played in the first round, averaging 37 points per game, and as well as KD is capable of being, uh, and I think I, tweet, I tweeted this out Saturday night, the the Suns have a really big math problem. They simply don't shoot enough threes, and so they're, they're a mid range team, man. You know, and, you know, yeah, yeah, and and what and what they do in the mid range is spectacular. They could put like I'm, I was thinking it to myself. I'm like, well, CP3 Booker. KD can just put Jokic in the pick and roll and they can mm-hmm. pull up for jumpers all game long. The not enough is, twos to beat him. <laughs> exactly. Not it's enough crazy twos. to me. When Aaron Gordon's in threes like that, obviously Jamal Murray's going to hit some. Bruce Brown may hit a few. Jeff Green wants to sprinkle, but KCP is going to be the guy to shoot it well. Michael Porter Jr. is going to shoot it very well. Uh, so they have threats from the three point line and Jokic on the inside and they push the pace. They may not shoot it well every night, but they put up more attempts from the three-point line than Phoenix does. KD and Book are, are mid-range killers, and so is CP. They're all mid-range. They take the most mid-rangers in the league. The reason why I thought they pick up Terrence Ross, and they have, you know, Shamit over there. They do have Damian Lee. They have a couple guys that can shoot, but they're not using them as well. I thought they picked them up was to give them space, provide space, and to get the three-point shooting, but they're not using them as well or as much as I thought they would. Yeah, I, that's and that's really what it comes down to. So the interesting thing about it for me, when you look at the Phoenix Suns, again, they're not shooting a lot of threes, and so it's just a math. It's a, literally a math problem. I did the like I did a little research, and per 100 possessions in this postseason, the Phoenix Suns are averaging 23.9, so basically 24 attempts, attempts from the three point line. When they need to be at least 30, at, right? Bro, every team in the playoffs: uh, Boston Celtics 38, Knicks 32, Warriors 39, Lakers 34, Kings 37, 76 is 37. Hawks 37, Nuggets 33, Nets 38, Bucks 39, Clippers 34, Cavs 33, 32 Heat, 33 Minnesota Timberwolves, 38 Grizzlies. And again, Wait, this how, is a t- how much do they how much do they shoot again? 24. And we we as the Cleveland Cavaliers who don't take a lot at shot more 10 more than them. Per wow. per per a hundred possessions. Yes, per hundred possessions. Be, you gotta think about how yeah. many possessions. You know, you gotta think about got the, you. Of the actual Got you. Got you. Hundred percent. 
But that's that's kind of crazy. I said all the playoff you know teams are way up there, and I, I'm shocked to hear even some of those teams that are averaging the numbers 38, 37, 36. That's, that's unbelievable. But that, that shows you what the formula is. A lot of teams that make will take and make the threes. You have to shoot a high clip, but at least take them puts you in the conversation of, of being successful in this league today. We know it's a, a three and D league now. Three jumping and go, get up and down the floor, and, and then score as much as you can. Obviously, because it's harder to play defense with some of the rules they've added, but. Um, yeah, you got to shoot the three well in order to to be successful individual and a team uh, in this league today. It's, it's it's harder for teams that don't shoot it well, uh, which yeah, is surprising to me. It's a it's a big math problem. Uh, end of the day, so like KD can have fifty, but like, you got they're just as a team. I just don't know if they're going to score enough points, and I don't think they're going to lock down an elite offense like the Denver Nuggets. I think they have a big time problem. That's for sure. And it's, it, I find it interesting because, you know, again, this is why I appreciate people who look into the stats or people like you who know the X's and O's because most people are going to say, Oh, the bench sucks, right? Yeah. That's the, just that the bench sucks. <laughs> no, the well, bench does not suck. Yeah. There's, there's just not enough opportunities that are being created for like, you know, guys that you pointed out to exploit the coverages that you have Shamit, and Booker you have Damian and have. Lee. You have Terrence Ross. Those are really good guys that can shoot the ball very well. Even Katie and Book can shoot the ball well from three. You just have to take some more. But you have to create and make plays and, and trust those guys. You got to play those guys a little more. Them also, I think, is taking a toll of them playing 42 minutes a game for each one of those guys, 44 minutes. That's going to take a toll on Katie and Book. I mean, Book is a little younger. Katie's a little older. CP for sure is a little older. Um, that's going to run a toll on DeAndre Ayton. Um, big, big body, big, bigger guys playing that many minutes. It takes a toll on you. So, I'm going to see how much they, how long they last. And said because the games, I think you're in the next round, there's not as many games where there's two days in between. Yeah. So it's not that much time in between. So with that quick turnaround, playing 42, 44 minutes a game with those guys, they're going to run out of gas quick, man. And I hopefully said that's why they hopefully win the first games on the, on the front end so that you can, you know what I'm saying, kind of recoup or recover. But if you lose game one and a quick recover in game two, if you don't get that one, it's going to be even harder for you guys now. You exerted so much energy in the front end of the, the games that. The back end, you might not have the energy to even, you know, to to get to get your guys what they need to do and protect home. Yeah, it's uh, it, it I, it's a big math problem. I don't know how they're gonna pull it off, and it's weird again to be riding off Kevin Kevin Durant with the combination of uh, Devin Booker, but at the same time, again, I I, I just struggle to see how how they're gonna be able to outpace uh, the Denver Nuggets. And I want to want to go to the next series, but if I'm gonna talk about the if we're gonna talk about the Nuggets. And the Suns. Mm-hmm. That's OD. That we already <laughs> mentioned this these two teams and didn't talk about what Jamal Murray is on right now. He's it, on the bubble, Jamal. I mean, I, I don't want to call him his healthy Jamal because he's been he's still a great hooper, and in the bubble he was unbelievable. So that's why it's hard to you know. I guess they're saying they, they doubt his game. I don't think they're doubting your game. It's just hard for anybody to live up to that standard that you set in the bubble. You averaging damn near fifth, like forty five. Like it was ridiculous. And that's just that even at any great player, LeBron James, Giannis, whoever you can, Kobe Bryant, uh, Jordan, to average that is that that puts you in a different type of realm of player to to continue that can do that consistently. So, um, but healthy Jamal is looking really good for them. He was balling tonight, and he's in some shots that I think he might have surprised. I'm not say the threes and pull ups, but finishing in the lane, you know, behind the back, finish over KD, behind over his shoulder of his neck. I'm, I don't know. You know, what I'm saying that's that's a play like it's a good day today. You know what I'm saying so. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. If he keeps balling like that, it's going to be very, very hard to beat them. Yeah, he's been cooking like that. At, I went into the stats. He's been cooking like that pretty much since March. But I don't think a lot of people were paying attention because the Nuggets themselves were losing a lot of games since March. 
maybe just mm-hmm. because they had the number one seed locked up. But he was getting right for the playoffs, even while the team wasn't looking too good during that. For sure. But even then, it's like, well, he's averaging 27, I think it was. He's averaging 27 now in the playoffs. Okay. 27.2, 6.4. And in 6, March, 5, what was he averaging in March? Around, I, I don't know if it was that high, but 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 basically March, he was he was playing at his best since the bubble. And I don't think okay. people caught on to what he was doing in March again because they were losing a lot uh, relative sure. to what they were supposed to be. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. We'll see how it all pans out. Uh, and best believe uh, when we get back on the microphone, we'll have an update probably the middle of the series. I'd be damned if it's a sweep. Well, it wouldn't, we wouldn't even have enough time for it to be a sweep. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference, uh, a team that Danny is very much familiar with, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's the big elephant in the room. Once again, Joel Embiid not at full tilt for the NBA playoffs. You could, It dates back to 2018, his injury history in the playoffs. Uh, Danny, give me your major thoughts before I, before I throw out some stats at you. That's a tough one man, for him because I think even with him, it's a, it's a tough matchup for them. You know, Boston has beat them, you know, throughout the regular season. Of course, in the playoffs before, um, with a healthy Joel. So without him, that's a that's an MVP caliber player. That's missing thirty and, and ten right there. You know, so um, when you're missing thirty and ten and trying to figure out ways to make it up, uh, surprising to me that Philly was one of the top three point shooting teams in the league this year. Uh, so they have generated some some good uh, attempts from the three and some makes uh, with the rosters they had and with him being out. So Tobias uh, James. Tyrese is going to have to step up. You know, obviously George, PJ, of course, the other guys too. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, um, they have some pieces, but without them, it's going to be a hard matchup for Boston. I guess the only thing they have is Boston went, you know, six games with Atlanta, so they might be a little fatigued. And I said, I don't know in terms of health-wise or who they're playing, if Grant Williams is going to play or not, or if he has some coaching issues or issues off the floor uh, with rotation-wise. Um, but yeah, I think that matchup is going to be very tough from withdrawal, and especially without, it's going to be it's going to be hard for them to to even compete or stay stick with the, you know the Boston Celtics. Yeah, you're saying it a lot nicer than I will. Uh, the Sixers are done, bro. It's over. <laughs> I think the Celtics get the job done in five. Honestly, I think, if they if they want to, if Joel they, doesn't they're play. Done in they, five. They, they could Man, but even they if Joel also, plays. They're all supposed to beat Atlanta in five, and Atlanta shows that that shows to me that Boston still has a little bit of maturity left in them they still have some some polishing to do of letting certain teams they're not one of those teams that you know put their foot on the gas keep you down when they should so i think if joel comes back after game one or two whatever it is i still think philly can win two games and it goes to six at least with or without him but with him i think it's a six game series for sure um but without him maybe you know five without him him out there even with him out there bro it's I'm, it's a five-game series if the Celtics want to. And I, I would have a feeling, considering their grudge, quote-unquote, I think they would want to. Uh, well, so now that they so, win that series, considering they win that series that quickly, do you think now that they – would you say it's a cakewalk now since they have the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're not matching up with Milwaukee anymore? We, How do you we, see we'll, this playing out? We'll, we'll get to that when we talk about my Knicks. We'll get to okay. that when we talk about the Knicks. But the thing is, I mean, I mean, you know it. Obviously, you played with Joel. Like mm-hmm. when you when you guys played against the Celtics, it was one of the rare teams that wasn't going to double team him. So the four assists yes. per game and 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 the multitude more of scoring opportunities he's creating against the the Nets, he's not creating that against the Celtics because they're not double teaming him. And okay, and most times you're like, oh, you're not going to double team Joel. He's about to put mm-hmm. forty on your head. But if Joel's yeah. not right, and you saw it last year when you played with them, mm-hmm. like if he's not right, sometimes it's really it's really going to show on the court. 
uh, from its production standpoint. So I think they're in a very, they're in a very much of a, a, a big trouble here with I, that. For sure. I just don't think, I don't think that's the issue. Even Joro putting 40 on your head, I just don't think they can score enough or they have enough defense to match what Boston brings. Let's say the Jalen Jason matchup, they don't have enough defenders to guard those guys. Marcus Smart is still, he ain't know how to sniff at. You have, you know, Al Horford stretching the floor at the five, which keeps Joel out the paint. Uh, Robin Williams, he's a, a lob threat, shot blocker, protect the rim. Grant Williams stretched the floor. Brogdon come off the bench scoring. Derek White, you know, can score, shoot from three. There's not many guys that can match up or guard mo- mo- those guys. So that's where the, the problem comes in for me more than anything. It's not about Joel scoring. Even if Philly plays well and scores as well as they, they do, I still don't think they can keep up or match with the Boston, you know, can bring to the table. 2018, Boston won their series 4-1. to 2020, Boston won 4-0. This season, Celtics 3-1 and versus the 76ers. The game that they lost, end of the season, no Jalen Brown. It's a flat-out it's, it's flat matchup problem. As good as the Sixers have been this year, I really think they're going to have an issue with Boston. Uh, you did mention, though, Boston, and you mentioned – uh, do I think they, it should be they should be the favorite or cakewalk to the Eastern Conference Finals? Here's my issue with Boston. They're and you know earlier in the show we talked about the Suns not liking the three enough or not taking mm-hmm. enough threes. I think the Boston Celtics take way too many threes in that Game Five against Atlanta. They finished seven of thirteen, seven of thirteen from the free throw line, thirteen mm. free throws in a clinching game at home. Looked up some stats. I'm all inundated with stats, Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. The Boston Celtics shoot 31.6% from the three-point line in their losses, which is actually the sixth worst mark in the NBA. And this makes me think, again, they just love to shoot the threes. Regardless of the circumstance in the game, they're going to live and die by it, which I know there's certain teams that probably should be programmed like that because they don't have talent, the caliber of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. But when you got... Jason Tatum should be averaging 15 free throws himself in big time sure. games. Jalen Brown should be getting to the free throw line 10 times in big time games. 100%. I don't think they, t- but I think they shoot well enough. They have enough scoring, even when they shoot poorly. Obviously, those are in losses. A lot of people shoot well yeah. poorly in losses. Um, but, but I it's think still the sixth even the wins that they don't shoot well in, they take enough and make enough. And those guys are still going to get their numbers, whether they get free throws or not. I think that you do need somebody to score and get to the free throw line for you when somebody gets you a basket or if things are not going well shooting-wise. But they have so many guys around them that can shoot well, so many guys that can score um, without getting to the free throw line. Um, that creates a problem. And I said, even when they come out of the – you said that Sixers are done. They beat the Sixers. They come out and play East Conference Finals against the Knicks in, in Miami. They're not scoring – now, unless Miami's turned over a new leaf and started averaging 120-something points a game, That's they're not they're scoring. That's what they in the playoffs. Uh, we'll see if they do in the New York. I don't know if they can sustain that for three rounds, but I, I don't see them scoring enough. Even if Miami said shoots poor, I mean Boston shoots poorly, I don't see them beating Boston in a seven-game series uh, of them taking too many threes. They still score too. They still score enough with all the pieces they have on on the roster. Um, to even sh- when they shoot a bad night, I think they can still keep up with the teams that score the least in the in the East, which is. My, you know, Miami's one of the bottom half, of it, and I think New York is probably they, – they play a slow-paced game. New York Knicks, 3-1 and one against the Boston Celtics this year. One of those wins without Jalen Brunson in Boston got the yeah. job done. Again, I think the Celtics – look, Tatum and Brown, spectacular. But I would just love 
even in that even in that series winning game where Jason Tatum apologized to Janet Jackson for having <laughs> for having to push a concert back, even mm-hmm. in that game, if you go back and look at those last like five possessions, like one of them was just a pull up three that was contested pretty <laughs> much for the, no reason. Immaturity. I'm like, Yo. So I give you that they have some immaturity and they they do have some bad possessions, some bad shots. That's what extends the series longer than it should, but it does not eliminate them from series they're still going to win four get to four before the team does they're going to f- play four better games than they play you know four worse games against certain teams and they may let certain teams that they have no business in a series like philly might go to six or seven because they do some bs and shoot too many threes or they shoot bad ones when they're not shooting it well so it's like when you're not shooting well you got to get some line to do other things they haven't made that adjustment sometimes um which hurts them but i still think in a seven game series not many teams are, are gonna that's in the east and east, sure. eastern conference now that milwaukee's out i wouldn't say it's a cakewalk but he said if the philly's done i think philly's gonna be the tougher matchup for them than anybody else outside of that in terms of the knicks in miami miami's always you can't count them out can't count out jimmy but i just don't see them sustaining you know either one of those teams sustaining that type of offensive push you know through three rounds i was one of those people who was trying to calm down i'm in new york and i'm like always been a realist uh-huh. Uh, I, I'd like to I'd like to think I've always been a realist with my sports mm-hmm. and I'm here and I've been trying to tell people before the playoffs started, calm down. Just be happy that you've made it. Knicks uh-huh. are in the playoffs. Just and be just, happy. And you're being a Knicks fan and being excited and seeing the light and thinking that they and, can actually get to the yeah, finals. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but people were saying like, oh, we could go to the East. You know, people so talk, do you think that they can? Crazy. So you think they can beat Miami? That's what you're saying. Oh, oh, they better beat Miami. They really? absolutely better beat Miami. The one, and but I do think again, I do think they have a great chance of beating Boston. I won't make them. I won't put money on it. I'm not saying that they will beat Boston, but I think they have a really good chance. Again, Julius, I think has to be healthy. Maybe for him, what he saw with Evan Mobley, and we'll talk about it. Bruh, uh, there's the worst, no way. The worst of what talking he's, about Boston. The They're not getting from- past Miami. There's no way Miami comes in, beats the dog shit out of Milwaukee. And says we're going to lose to the Knicks. That's not going to happen. That doesn't happen. Like the way Jimmy's ball, this, and the way they've been hooping, Miami better oh, beat the Knicks. The way this is the way they hooped in the first round. Oh, There's no dang. way they you can. The Knicks would not beat Miami. <laughs> you think right. regular season oh. does not matter, bro? This, as you've seen, no the, regular Miami season doesn't heat. matter. No regular yeah. season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Knicks ain't beating either one of those teams. They're not beating the either heat, one of those teams. The Heat were the worst team, uh, point by points per game in the NBA during regular season. They're number one in playoff scoring. They were bottom five in pace all year long. In the playoffs, they are number one in pace. So, yes, <laughs> throw the regular season out the window. I have no idea what Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler have cooked up for this second round against the Knicks. That's my big worry, for sure. Well, they cooked up Milwaukee, and they're about to cook up the Knicks. The it, Knicks are not – they better beat Miami. They're not – if they're playing like that, they're not beating Miami. Of course. Well, if well, first of all, yes, if, if Jimmy Butler – Plays at the same level he did against Milwaukee, then of course the Milwaukee. But I mean, if, the even if the others play at the same level, no, if Gabe they, Vincent, no. Caleb Martin, Kevin Love, those they guys just play at that level. But I'm I am banking on Josh. I, I I might have to give you the stats, but the stats of Jimmy Butler at MSG or playing against Josh Hart or being guarded by Quentin Grimes. It's a very ugly picture, Danny. I'm telling you, I could look. I at bet this. you, I you that picture now. looks a lot different <laughs> in these playoff series. It's going to look the total opposite of what it looked like during the regular season. So, For sure, 
It can. We will see. Mind you, we will see. Julius, Julius might not be 100%. Quentin Grimes might be 100%. So we'll see how that goes. Even if they are 100%, I don't give a damn. Josh Hart numbers, I don't get Quentin Grimes. I don't give a damn what the regular season numbers look like. I've seen a lot of guys play Jimmy well in the regular season because Jimmy been chilling in the regular season. It's mostly Jimmy not being Jimmy, not about them guarding him. He is a different person in the playoffs, and them, them dudes are not going to guard him the same way they guard him in the regular season. Time shall tell, my friend. I will I, say the I, advantage again. is this. Tibbs is the advantage. It's the only advantage they have. Tibbs knowing Jimmy and him not letting Jimmy beat them. And I've seen teams still say, we're not going to let Jimmy beat us, and he's still done it time and time again. And I think he's got his other guy, the guys around him on board, they're playing at a high level, and they're going to be scoring 120 points. Knicks averaged 104 points against us, 103 points against us, I think, total. It's not but enough. It, it will be enough. It will be more. They'll score more if the Miami Heat are intent at playing at the fastest pace at the NBA, which, again, is what they were doing in the Milwaukee Bucks season. If they want to play that It's not a New York's game, favor. It's not a New York server to play at that pace. Mr. Robinson could not get up and down the floor at that pace. He's not going to be able to rebound as, as well at that pace or be as effective. A lot of they play at a slower pace, and it's not in their favor to play at that pace in New York. Um, not we, in gotta, we got we gotta we gotta take a break. We gotta take a break. We are right back. All right. So uh DG, you are figuring that Jimmy Butler continues to do Jimmy Butler things, and the, they take out the New York Knicks. I think the Knicks get the job done. I think they have enough defenders for Jimmy. You pointed out Tibbs. Knowing what Jimmy could do. And I think the big factor, big factor here, somehow, some way, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment. Somehow, some way, the Knicks were able to get by you and the Cavaliers with pretty much only Jalen Brunson playing at a high level. They're gonna, I think they're gonna need Julius Randle for this series because I think Spolstra might cook up some things to make it life difficult for Brunson. But Randall for the most part, should have an advantage. If it's Kevin Love guarding him, if it's Caleb Martin guarding him, and if they decide to put Bam on him, as you saw, that should mean Mitchell Robinson kills him on the offensive glass. So we'll see how it plays out. You already know I'm very much excited to watch that series. I'll be in the garden for each and every For game. sure. I think uh, Bam, you sleeping on Bam, man. That guy's been hooping. I don't think Mitchell Robinson kills him like that on the glass. We will see. Um, I also think that they're going to play at a faster pace where they have to take Mitch Robinson out. They might play five out where Mitch Robinson won't be as effective. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how how Tibbs does this and also how Spo Spo does it. I think he's a great coach and he he knows how to you know change the change the scenario a little bit to give it you know more difficult for the Knicks to guard them. That's going to be the fun part. I think you got two really good head coaches, especially on the. Especially when it comes to just switch up the game plans and defensive identities, it's going to be a good one. I still, I've been teasing, talking about the Cavaliers and how the season ended, and we're still not going to get to it because there's some other interesting things that happened. But we will talk about how the Cavaliers season ended in just a moment. But I wanted to get your opinion on the team that you that you were on before you played for the Cavaliers, and no, not the Houston Rockets, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, who mm -hmm. decided. Oh, well, not decided. Who lost to the Los Angeles Lakers? Season is a wrap. And obviously, you can't omit the fact that Steven Adams didn't play. You can't omit the fact that Brandon Clark didn't play. Um, but end of the day, it's over. LeBron, uh, LeBron and AD uh, got them up out of there. 26 blocks in six games for AD. Yeah. Um, big time performance. I just want to point out two things. One, mm -hmm. John Morant in his end of season press conference basically alluding to what what his actions off the court had a big time impact on the team. Mm -hmm. right, let's just let's just start with Ja. What did where do things go for him 
and his leadership and his role as the Memphis Grizzlies superstar, how do things go from here? And what do you think he learned from this whole well, I think the whole group. Season. Yeah, I think the whole group. the West to get in, quote, yeah. unquote, sent away, everything. For sure. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the media, social media of replaying the antics and the sayings, I think, is to try to teach them a life lesson of, you know, respect the, the game, respect the basketball guys. Don't talk, you know, if you can't back it up type scenario. And, um, you know, because it's always going to come back to haunt you, you know. So I think for them, I think there's going to be a, a big leap of maturity um, for the fact that he acknowledges the fact that off the court has affected them, um, not just him, but the group. Obviously, said Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark hurt, Luke Kennard out, even Ja was out for a couple of games. They had some injuries, um, but I think everything happens for a reason. I think they need a wake-up call. It's a big wake-up call for them that you're not there yet. You haven't done it yet. Um, you guys are really good all year, and anything can happen. So you have to be humble. You have to respect uh, your opponents respect the people that you're going through. You know, things can change at any point in the season. These teams that weren't as good before trade deadline got a little better after trade deadline. And obviously, you got to give it up to AD. AD's playing like AD, like he should be. And this is the team. This is the guy that they've been looking to see for the last couple of years to take them, you know, to at least the Western Conference Finals or the Finals. If he's playing like that, they're going to be a lot to deal with. You know, 26 blocks, rebounds, being a force in the paint and on the rim. Um, it's hard to beat them when you got him. And, of course, Bron does what he does and other guys playing at a level. But for Memphis, I said, I think, um, I don't know what they do with Dylan. He may not. That's, he what, may that's, sign. that's, where, I, that's where I wanted to get he, to next. He might not sign back. Um, but, but even with or without him, I see Ja taking that leadership role. Jaron has made a step, a jump with yes, staying out of foul trouble and getting, getting smarter with you know his leadership. And off the court, I think them seeing the social media, how much they're dogging them social media, lets them know, like, you know what? And maybe you know Taylor might talk to him, too, like, Let's not, you know, let's speak quietly and carry a big stick this year. Or, you know, we, we could talk trash on the court, but in the media, you know, we don't need to do that. We don't need to poke bears and, you know what I'm saying, that type of thing. So um, that's not that's not the way to go about it. We already have a target on our chest because of how good we are. We don't need extra motivation or give teams extra motivation to kick our ass. Now, if that's what you want to do, cool. I, I respect it. It's, it's already hard to do, you know, to win a championship. It's already hard to make the playoffs. It's even harder when you got a target on your chest and you're being the hunted because of multiple reasons. <laughs> you know, not just because you're good, but because you're talking, you know, shit to half the league and they don't like you. Um, so that's why it's even harder for said Golden State and Draymond. You got to respect those guys. They've done it four times with the target on their backs for numerous years. And the way Draymond talks trash to other people on certain teams. Um, but you know, they keep playing that clip of Draymond talking about how bad it is to play Sacramento. It's gonna be interesting to see how this game seven goes. Because if they lose this game seven. You better believe that barbershop talk that he had of him talking about playing the Kings, you know, is one of the worst damn teams in the league. It's hard to get up for a Monday night playing against the Kings. That's going to come back to haunt him. Um, so I think you said that those are life lessons that we all grow, even as adults in, in you know, Jeremiah's not a young guy, but you just, you, you learn from these life lessons of, you know, maybe I shouldn't close the door on that business opportunity. Maybe I shouldn't talk about this situation because it could change within 10 months. You never know how mm. things are going to happen and pan out in this league. And, you know, the basketball gods will humble you or, you know, the, 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 the league, the season, the reality will humble you. Life will humble you um, when you go through it. So um, I think I learned that at a young age with, you know, being in and out of the league, playing overseas and playing for pop, you know, respecting the game, respecting the basketball gods. And I think that's something that some of these younger guys like Ja and the Memphis Grizzlies will learn and it'll make them, you know, more mature, better, smarter, with their approach to the game, to the media, without, you know, obviously 
you know, them ducking the media after a couple games losses, something you shouldn't do. Um, you know, they probably hear it getting slack for that. Um, but just other, other things on the court and how it can affect your season, affect your group, your team. And it could just change the whole course of how things go for you. Yeah, I feel, I mean, personally, I don't want them to change one thing. I love when they talk in the media. I do, too. I just like it when you just keep it on the court. You know, Dez mm. is a guy. Keep it in between the lines. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You don't have to go to social media. Now it's extra. I mean, extra antics, you're a fan. So you love that. And yes. as, as a fan, you love it. But as a, 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 a and as a competitor, you might love it, too. But when you're trying to play in it, it's, it's just that it makes it more difficult, man. You don't need to do that. You don't need the antics. You don't need the extra stuff. Play basketball. I said, I, I love that the fact that they have an edge. I love the fact that they talk. Keep it in between the lines, but you don't have to do you know, WWE stuff and, you know, you know, back and forth and reality TV show type situation where it makes it even harder. You look more of an ass when you do lose or when you don't come up, when you come up short. Um, so, yeah, you can. I said, I love the trash talking, but I like, I'd rather just keep it between the lines. Either way, they do it how they do it. Is that if they could do it that way, more respect to them because it's even harder to win when you're talking trash to the league. Um, and, you know, that's why, you know, some of the greats are the, who they are. And that's why they're known as the greats because Mike Mike did it. And he still, you know, he may not did it in the media, but he did it. He kept it between the lines. Some guys might have done it in the media. Um, but, yeah, you know, Shaq might have done it in the media. Chuck, Chuck might have done it in the media. It's not an easy task to do, man. But so they're a great team. They're going to grow from it. And I think they'll bounce back and be even better next year, especially with guys coming back healthy. Hopefully, Brandon Clark comes back, you know, sooner than later. I know Stephen Adams will be back, um, and Luke Kennard. They have some pieces. I don't know what they're going to do with this offseason with Dylan, um, but you know, they got some decisions to make. Yeah, so let's let's talk about Dylan Brooks, uh, an all NBA caliber defender, without a doubt. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever you want, first team, second team, whatever you want to do, he's he's in that running for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw this playoffs that his inability to shoot really hurt the Grizzlies. And it was on the Summer Jam screen, one, because he was talking a lot in the media, two, uh, because uh, he was talking a lot in the media. <laughs> and it really, and it really, it like when you're playing bad and you talk trash, it makes it whatever you're doing elevated, whether you're playing well or you're playing poorly. Um, yes. I, and so now the Grizzlies have a, a, themselves a big time issue with him because now it's going to be interesting to see what is he worth on the open market? Because you could say, bro, this is a top, you know, top 15, 20 perimeter defender. And if he gets an average three point shot, if he can get that back or what, you know, some relevance of his three point stroke, that's a quality asset to have on your team. So, mm-hmm. but and he could say it was just a blip. Like I'll be better. Like I'm still maturing. So he might expect a certain number value. Grizzlies mm-hmm. might say, nah, bro. Like, you're not you're not there yet and you're not and you're making life harder for our team i find it very interesting because there's i'm i don't not we're not going to publicly negotiate his contract for sure but he is who he, he is man be a i don't 25 million dollar player or some people could see him as a five million dollar player and <laughs> you could make an argument for both it's crazy for sure i i think you know you said i don't think he's that low of five i think you know at least 10 to 12 just, at the very little. I'm not little. saying he's a five. And I think I'm just saying, to, you can make, 10 to 20. You say 10 to 20, I say probably A good negotiator that. is going to, but a good negotiator, right? Mm-hmm. A good negotiator, which is I expect all front offices to be, mm-hmm. can make the argument to him, BCU is like a $5 million player. BCU is a, BCU as a one-way guy who yeah. hampered, who, who is an issue off the court for us. 100%. That's what a good said, negotiator does. And maybe, yes, I want to say it's a, 
his personality is not a blip. Maybe the shooting is. Yes, he can get better at shooting. He can better at score. He has had some years where he shot and scored well. Uh, and short shot better for sure. I think he definitely could be that. And I think mentally, you know, the season took a toll on him. Certain things took a toll on him, which got in his head mentally, which, you know, he wasn't himself offensively. Defensively, he's going to bring it every night and give you that edge and, and scrap for you. Um, but he said him maturing, he's he's seen as a veteran now. You know, he's 26, 20, 27, 28, I think now at this point. I don't see them seeing as, oh, he's going to mature and change at this point in his career. He's going to be who he is. And you have to accept him for that. Um, but yes, I do think he's a guy that can, can be a plus for, for your team, especially with that edge. He he holds guys accountable. He will come in fight every night defensively. And, um, you know, on the floor, you know, you're going to get everything you got from him. Now, offensively, yeah, that may change. That may up and down. But I think he's a good player addition for your team. Um, so we'll see where he lands and see what the Grizzlies value him at. But I think he was needed and necessary for their group, especially with the young group, um, because he was one of those veteran guys that held guys accountable and made sure that guys were on top of their job. Um, now, they may find somebody else in the summer to do that, or somebody that may be cheaper, somebody that may be more mature, older, or whatever, or less headache to them, where they may say less headache, because um, I don't think he's a headache in the organization or off the court with them. I know he just, you know, he's a competitor. Now, in this, of course, just, if it's an outsider, that's how it's going to be portrayed, for sure. That's how portrayed. He's not a he's not a headache. You know, he just, he competes at a high level, talks his shit on the court, and sometimes in the media a little bit. So, to me, I don't see that as a headache, but... We'll see how they portray him. We'll see how other teams, you know, see his value. And so it'll be interesting for him. So I'm, I'm wishing him the best. I know he's a good player. I know he deserves a good contract in his league and, you know, continue to be a starter in his league. So we'll, we'll see, you know, what team values that. Yeah, it's uh, I find his free agency fascinating uh, because of mm-hmm. all of those factors, the, who he can be, who he was, what the middle ground might be for what he can be. It's mm-hmm. It's a very fascinating thing. Uh, all right, so now let's get down to brass tacks and talk about uh, the series that you participated in. Cavaliers' next season <laughs> is over. Uh, what was seen uh, as a good season that very much ended up being a disappointing end for Cleveland, uh, considering uh, now, I, if you guys lost to the, the Knicks, I don't think they would have been seen as a disappointment. But I do think there, there is a more negative portrayal of how this season went now because of how the season or how the season series played out. Uh, last the way we lost. Ga- yes. I mean, the way last we couple- lost. How we yes, lost, the sure. way we lost in 4-1, yes. I, I agree. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, no Quentin Grimes uh, for the last two games. Julius Randle was a shell of himself, and part of that credit goes to Evan Mobley, but part of that was just because he was injured as well. Like We can't ignore that fact. Uh, but it was getting dominated on the offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the how would I say this? The, it, it would, it would seem at, at times there was a lack of fight or there wasn't too many moments of consistent good play. They were all in blips. Um, yes. Evan Mobley, not getting to the free throw line, Darius Garland have having some really hard times scoring the ball and having some real hard times uh, playing defense against Jalen Brunson. I, I, as, as part of this gig that I have with you, it's my job to peruse Twitter uh, Twitter was not very happy. Cavalier fans not very happy with JB Biggerstaff's decisions, whether it was the game plan and maybe trapping Brunson, which led to RJ Barrett having himself a couple of good games, or it was the rotations, or it was the actual assignments. It it felt as if, again, the season for the Cavs on the outset, if you looked at it, you got a superstar in the building, you got the number four seed, you got home court advantage for the first round. It all felt like really good, regardless of the end. 
but how mm-hmm. it ended now, I think really changes the perception to the point where I've listened to like national podcasts already starting to talk about Donovan Mitchell's free agency because the Cavaliers can sign him to an extension this summer. And if they try to, Donovan, rightly so, should say no uh, because he can make more money if he plays it out. But it's just it's just interesting how everything, all the good good juju, as you would say it, has kind of quelled because of how it ended. First, your thoughts on just like that encapsulation and then just get into the nitty gritty of what you saw from the series. For sure. 100% man was a hell of a season. And I was only here for part of it, so I think that's why people were a little disappointed, um, and how it ended, and the way the way it ended, um, not how it ended, but the way it ended. They had a great regular season, you know, fifty games, fifty wins coming from Sedaris. I think his first year, maybe fourteen or nineteen wins coming from that, and then making the playoffs, being a four seed, having home court advantage, is unbelievable for this group. You know, they're very young, but the the things that you see in the blips of things that you said were good, and there's just a lot of bad of the competition, had to do with the fact that. They're young. You know, this was their first playoffs. And it showed, you know, glaringly that not just for the players, but the coaching staff as well, that not a lot of those guys have been, some of them have been assistants, but this is a lot, this is a real playoff series, their first playoff series. JB is a head coach and adjusting and seeing his players, how they adapt and adjust to it and how some of them, the, the lights got bright for me. Some of them said it publicly, like, you know, the lights were brighter than I thought. And it's just unexpected. Um, I said, the fact that we got beat, not just like on shooting and we got beat on the boards, we got beat on the, the, the scrap game, the competitive fight game, which made, I think, fans disappointing. And, you know, yeah, I think that, that's, Don... That's, the, that's exactly it. That's what it, it is. And it's just game. the toughness. And I think a lot of it was that the lights are bright. And so the fact that we were number one defense throughout the most of the year and not be able to rebound, that's part of defense. We're not, us be able not to do that um, just shows that, you know, Jared and Evans had, had a, a tough series with, with Mitchell, you know, getting him off the glass. But they had a lot of guys on the glass. Julius Hartenstein, Hart, all those guys. Uh, were tremendous for them on the offensive board. And they shot well, too. Jalen did his thing, and our coverages were different, lineups were different. Obviously, when you have a young team, certain guys are not ready for it. JB has to then figure out, what am I doing? Who do I play now? Like, how do I fix these lineups? Or who is prepared? Who's actually ready to scrap? Who's ready to play? Um, which is hard. Uh, but all in all, I said it, it just was a, a rookie type of playoff atmosphere for the Cleveland Cavaliers, for us. We were very young, and it showed. Um, and that that was a domino effect to, you know, guys not playing into JB's rotations, to JB's, you know, calls of what we're going to do with Brunson, the, the traps, this and other, how we're going to guard them, because he wasn't sure what night who we're going to get. Um, so all in all, I said I was proud of those guys. They were great. I think it's a big summer for some of them. Had an amazing season. Um, and I think someone will grow from it. I know Don, I said he may not sign an extension, whatever. He loves, he does like the atmosphere. He loves the the organization. He loves what the 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 fans bring and what everything comes with this organization. Uh, I know he enjoys his time and a, a breath of fresh air and a, a fresh start here. Um, so, you know, he's just looking to see how he can build off of it. Um, but all in all, I think he was disappointed. I think a lot of us were disappointed, disappointed individually and as a group on how that series went, not in the season, just how that series went, because we knew, we showed in game two how well we can compete and fight with them. And to not even at least go six or seven games for us was a disappointment. Uh, so, yeah, I, I knew the talent they had. I know what they're capable of. And I knew if they played the way they were supposed to play, we could have even, I thought in my mind, could have beat them. I thought, you know, the talent matched up, you know, for the most part. It's going to come down to execution and coaching. And I don't think we executed why. I don't think we made, you know, a lot of the, the right decisions. Also, because the execution didn't happen, because the guys weren't ready, coaching had to change, you know, how he was coaching. Um, so yeah, all in all, said I think it was a disappointment on on an individual 
for for me anyway, I was you know disappointed in the fact that individually for it was up and down season for me as a group. I was happy for the proud, but I was disappointed how we performed in that series as a group and individually how I was not um you know able to help the way I wanted to help or help the way I thought I could help. I think they were, you know, coming in halfway through the season, um, it's tough, you know, trying to adapt, trying to just learn. I thought I learned the system pretty quickly, but to gain a coach's trust and said I had COVID. So a lot of things have happened. Um, but I said for me, um, the second time around, I thought I'd have an opportunity to show or do something differently than my first time as a rookie. Uh, but it, it, it kind of was the same for me, you know, um, and, and that's just due to a lot of things that we can't control. Uh, but, you know, a disappointing series, not season, disappointing series uh, as a group. And for me individually, it's disappointing the fact that, um, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to or opportunity to show that I can help or be able to help the way I thought I could. Um, and that's just due to lack of, of time with, with the group. Yeah, no, I, I found myself. It was a very it's a very inter- interesting whole series for me in general again because mm-hmm. I, I, as we talked about i'm rooting for the knicks but obviously i want to see your success uh the game that you guys did win you played 20 minutes you only had three points but you played 20 minutes and i think i might have tweeted something along the lines of you know uh spacing matters like mm-hmm. it, it helps other teams play well and so again being on twitter i have to ingest everything that's on twitter the good and the bad and so people, but I, you know, there are some people saying, yeah, Danny in the lineup helped the spacing. No more Isaac Okoro. But then there's the sentiment that you don't play defense or you're not, mm-hmm. or there's, there's a sentiment that you're not a good defender from some people. There's a sentiment that you're not the defender that you were anymore, which is mm-hmm. obvious. I, I, I found it interesting to see, or as I've watched, or as I watched you play defense in the series, I found it interesting to see people say, oh, well, you can't play Danny because he's not going to play defense. You can't play Isaac because he can't shoot. And it's it's one again. It, it it shows some of the issues that maybe JB had in itself. But I also, if we talk about it as as a personal level, I was annoyed that there's is a there is a belief that you can't play defense anymore. And there's so okay. So let me see how I mean. You're not the only one, kid. That, I, 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 that stigma about me is weird, and it's something that that said in my pride that that gets to me because I said when it comes to a point where people are like I'm attacking him. That's where I'm like, all right, maybe it's time for me to hang it up. And I don't think I'm at that point anywhere near. I think that I'm still very capable of moving, sliding my feet and playing defense. I think, you know, I played the force on my guard of Julius. I don't think they trust me with the knee said and, and guarding guards. Uh, but I still think I'm very capable uh, of sliding my feet. And of course, not at the level when I was 26 years old. I'm about to be 36 in a second. But I'm still very capable of sliding my feet and playing defense. And with the guys that we have on our group, it's not like you have to play a bunch of defense of you know doing it all i have to do is take away three-point line and the pull-up line and send them to evan and, and i and uh, jared allen down there so i think with the group when you have bigs like that it's easy for you to play defense and i think what cured us a lot was jalen brunson being able to put us to sleep and get his mid-range game put us to sleep shoot threes um you know and, and us not you know trusting the guys behind us and obviously the, the defensive rebounds when we're going to help and they get defensive the offensive rebounds for them killed us uh but yes when it comes to getting over screens and guarding guards, I'm still very capable. And I think, you know, sometimes it takes me to, and I haven't got a chance to, to get a rhythm or show or prove that, but it takes some time for me to prove it to myself as well. Uh, but there was moments throughout the season where I played, you know, very little time. But even when I was in Memphis, I had to guard, you know, Fred Van Fleet, come off a ball screen, slide my field. But I was like, all right, you know, my knee can still do this. Um, but I was never given an opportunity to show that or, or prove that I can guard or, or, you know, play defense. But 
don't get twisted. I'm still very capable of playing defense. Of course, not at the level I was when I was in my 20s, but I'm still very, you know, at a capable knee is good enough and legs are good enough to move, slide, contest shots at a level which is, you know, just as good, if not better, than most of the league. Not a lot of guys are playing defense out there anyway. That, that and so, so and so that that was <laughs> that was that that was the thing that was frustrating me. So so if if I believe that you're not the if you, I believe that you're not the defender you're you were anymore, uh, yeah, of course I would agree with that. But hmm. that 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 well that yeah, I think people were not factoring in where you're where you were coming from defensively. It wasn't as if you were a bad defender and now you had the ACL and LCL surgery. So now you and now I'm a terrible defender. A, no. a terrible defender. I was a very you, good defender. Been, now I'm... you went from elite to a very good defender. So <laughs> even if you even even if the impact of the ACL and LCL is not overcome yet, which obviously you've shown you've been able to be back on the court. For the most part, it's you've overcome it. Even mm-hmm. if that's factor it in, that just makes you at the worst a an average defender. defender. Yeah, <laughs> an a- average defender. <laughs> at the very worst, I'm an average defender, which I still think I'm better than average. But so that's still better than most of the, most guys in the league are not good defenders or average defenders. And I'm not the guy that go like, oh, we're gonna attack this guy and, and pick and roll. We're gonna do this or that. No, that's not happening. We're not doing that. We're not at that level yet. Maybe in a couple of years or so, but I still have good legs where I could still be an average defender in this league. So for them to not not even, but you know, the world to see that, and you know, coaching staff too, not to have that that faith in me or trust in me yet, it, it's kind of disappointing a little bit. Um, it does hurt the pride some. But said back to the drawing board for me this summer. So I'm continuing to rehab. I have something to prove, and I have to show that I can still move. I can still slide. I can still play defense. I damn sure, I can still shoot the ball. So that is not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, yep. But that, that that's been you know I have to you know reinvent myself and reprove myself to these people and remind them that you know I can still do this at a high level and I still think. You know, it, it proved to myself as well. When I was out there playing the two games that I played at the end of the season, I could still run, I could still move, I could still contest, um, I could still shoot, I could still go down the floor. I can, you know, and some guys like people I think were a little leery, weary. Like, are you still? Are you hurt? Are you healthy? No, I'm 100 healthy. I can play. It's just the opportunity just never presented itself. So we will see, you know, how it ha- shapes out this summer, and hopefully, you know, you know, we find a home or a place that believes in it or values it and can see that I'm very capable of doing that. That was, I think that was the most frustrating thing for me about your Cavalier experience. It felt as if you were never really given a chance to fail. I'd rather have seen you failed. With Let me get cooked before you say he can't <laughs> defend. I'm a foul out before I get cooked. That's just me and the pride of me. I'm a foul out. But let me foul out. Let me get cooked and then say, all right, he really can't defend. But, you know, hey, either way, he he believed that this is a group that he's had. He trusted in his guys, and I understand that. said so I haven't got a chance to prove or show that. He wanted to give them opportunity to show themselves their first playoff, you know, series. These young guys that he believes in and rode with all season. So I, I, and he, you know, after that point, he's like, all right. And at that point, I think it was a little late for it to be implemented for, with a group that I'm not used to playing with. Or they're not used to playing with me. So it was tough all around. And I think we were kind of behind the eight ball in that. We had a disadvantage with that sense of it. Um, but we won the game two. We played. We competed. You know, game three, I think I played like 12 minutes, which is tough. We were just trying to find some shooting. I got two looks, rushed one. They weren't great, missed them. Then from there, you know, four minutes, four minutes, didn't get any looks and then didn't play much. So it was just tough, man. But we're just scrambling at that point, trying to figure out anything. And, you know, at some point I thought, you know, maybe he might experiment and throw out five smalls. But, you know, and it didn't happen either way. You know, give up to New York Knicks. They they, they outplayed us. They, you know, they out everything us in every category and they, they they won the series in, in five because of uh, how prepared they were. And, you know, you can see it in us. We weren't prepared.
Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, the Knicks obviously were definitely felt like they had more tools or at least more locked into what they were going to do. And even if they weren't, even if they don't have more tools, even if they weren't as locked in, they did bring a level of force that Jared Allen uh, has admitted to. He wasn't he wasn't able to meet. And obviously, big summer for Evan, uh, big summer for the front office as well to kind of really think about the longevity of a too big offense. Um, and how that could survive going forward is particularly uh, wondering where Isaac Okoro factors into the whole situation. Uh, will he be able to be uh, a lot? Well, he might be able to, this is almost a thing that I was thinking about with Matisse. Obviously it's a little bit different. Matisse is probably more of a dynamic defender and probably worse of a shooter. But I, I remember thinking about when you were playing with Matisse, I was like, damn, bro, he's going to have to have a whole season of shooting over 40% before mm-hmm. he gets any, before he provides Respect. any gravity yeah. on the court. And that's, that's going to be the situation that Isaac is in. He's going to have to have a season of like 38% plus with volume from the three point line before it truly creates space for Donovan and Darius to go off. It's again, a lot of positive for the Cavaliers season, but now they are faced with like real questions real yeah. things that have to be solved if they want to maximize the window that they created traded for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, well, we'll see what they do, the decisions they make. Uh, I think they were very happy with the season and content with what has happened, transpired, even though the loss was disappointing. Um, I think they just want to build. And they have a great group, they have a great foundation, so they'll build on it. Um, but we'll see how, you know, it said even Don in the series couldn't really be himself, and I'm sure that's going to play a part in what moves they make because he felt like he didn't have the space or the lineups or wasn't prepared or didn't know you know, things, different things thrown at him. He wasn't able to feel comfortable doing what he does. And Nick, and Nick threw everything at him. They were like, you're not going to beat us. We're going to make every people, other people beat him. And it was hard for him to get a rhythm and even feel like himself because of how uh, things played out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they build around him and build around that Evan and Darius. You know, those are the three guys that are for sure. And then see if they bring back Karras. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be an interesting summer for a lot of teams. For sure. For sure. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's let's wrap this up real quick. Uh, let's try and do this as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's let's just act as if it was the outset of the series. Uh, I'll ask you the series, the winner, and the games. I got Suns Nuggets. I'm taking the Nuggets in six. I'm gonna stick with my. Even though after watching the game tonight, it, it may change a little bit, but I'm gonna stick with my pick. I'm gonna go with, with Phoenix in seven. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the Sixers in five. No, sorry. My bad. I'm going with the Celtics in five, regardless of the the health status of Joel Embiid. I'm going with Boston in six. I'm going to go with the New York Knicks. I'm going to go with the Knicks in six, which is tough because that means they would have to clinch it on the road. But New York fans will be packing out that arena in Miami. Uh, They actually, you know, 62,000 people left in the state of New York last year to become Miami residents or at least change their license plates to or their driver's license from uh New York to Florida. So don't give a I damn. Think- that ain't helping them. <laughs> Miami in six. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, uh and then uh, we'll we'll discuss uh what the series the Lakers series next time we get back on air. But uh I I, I told you this via text uh and now that your playing portion of the season is over I'll say it here on wax as well. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers series did not go the way that the team wanted and you personally wanted. But as we've watched the history of people come back from ACL 
and LCL injuries. I think the fact that you were able to be on a roster, the fact that people, even when you got traded, there was still a team that that still wanted you and you still had interest. I think that's great because a lot of people would have just sat out the year or would have been told to sit out the year or wouldn't have been valued in any locker room for a year. So the fact that you were still valued in locker rooms, a valued asset, even though you didn't play as much as I would have liked to see you play. I think the fact that you're even out there fucking shooting shots, I'm cursing now, shooting threes and getting and putting up points in, in regular season games, I think it's I think it's tremendous. Appreciate uh, you, man. Now, you're... And now I'm excited for next year. Me too, man. And I know your parents are gonna be upset that you're cursing. I think your dad, right? Your dad doesn't like you cursing. <laughs> but I appreciate that, man. It's been a hell of a, a hell of a year. It's been a whirlwind. Coming back for surgery. I've had some great staff. So big shout out to my guys. Sean John at Myers Institute of Sport. Mike Ronkrati in Memphis Grizzlies um, did an amazing job with my knee, got me on the court with a double ligament tear within eight months. Said it's got to be some historic record or something for those guys, uh, for me as well. But they were the reasons why I was back on the court. So um, to be able to get back in eight months was unbelievable. Uh, to be able to play, and I said, I achieved you know more than I could expect with that. Um, so it was amazing to be able to be wanted, said to be able to be, be on the court, you know, after, you know, eight months, nine months. And said share a locker room with two different teams that were successful. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the next step, and I'm excited for next year as well. But uh, I also have something to prove, man. So want to see how it goes um, with free agency. Hopefully, it's still wanted by the teams, and so they can believe in me and know that I can still shoot the ball and defend. For those who think that I can't defend, yeah, um, but I appreciate that's... you know everybody's <laughs> yeah. love and support from all those teams, and also you guys' love and support, and and the people that helped took care of my knee, man. So it, it's been a hell of a year, man. I enjoyed it. It's been a rough one. Um, but yeah, I deserve some fucking time, to, some downtime, man. So yes. I'm gonna take yes. a little bit of downtime. Um, enjoy it, but I'm gonna get back to work and stay and make sure I stay on this knee because I think I have a couple good more years left in it. Um, you know, to play at a at a good level, you know. Yeah, I'm 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 personally excited about the defense stuff because I know how much pride you take on that side of the floor, and I know you know defense as well. So to even be character, to even be character, to, yeah. First of all, knowing what you're doing out there is half about because I tell you, knowing right personnel, know where to go. <laughs> there's some dudes out there, Danny, playing defense right now in the playoffs. They look clueless, like they look clueless. I ain't gonna let's, name let's them names. Eighty percent of the league doesn't even try. You guys have put me in the like the bad defender. Come on, bro. I'm at least in the twenty percent of the league that that tries as a decent average defender. But it is what it is. Um, you know, said so you got to keep reminding people we have to prove stigmas wrong. For some reason these random stigmas come about out of nowhere just because of some one person starts it, but said I'm well, well, I'm, I'm excited for the challenge, bro. Well, well, uh, but, but, well, that, well, that's why we're here. We might as well just talk about it. It also comes down to like the whole just perception of who you are, right? Because mm-hmm. like, like we could talk about it, like because uh, because what I guess you're bow legged, you run differently in the first place. I do move right? weird. I do move weird. You move, I, yeah, you move. I may not move as fast as like. It may not look ACL. like I'm moving. Fa- I'm moving fast enough though to get the job done. So because it, I don't do it aesthetically pleasing, <laughs> they're like, That's "Oh, he doesn't." Move. No, I'm still move, capable enough to move. Still have to get him down the floor and slide. And it may not be looking the way you like it to look, but it gets done. And I'll make sure that I said, I'll, I said it's a challenge that I'm looking forward to this summer, and I'm gonna continue to grow. I said you see Clay's playing a hell of a lot, of balling out this season, moving well and shooting it well. I'm not saying I'm going to be Clay, but I can definitely get back to Danny Green the way Danny Green was before the injury, and so that's this summer is going to be a big one for me. Makes I makes me more excited than the last off season, where Chad was just excited for your like whole comeback story. But now I'm like, 
I'm legit looking forward to the next chapter of the story. So uh, uh, I guess this will be the off season of Inside the Green Room, where we'll be dishing out a lot more X's and O's. Uh, so looking forward to that. Danny, enjoy Sweden. Um, Appreciate you, man. I will try my best. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm jealous already. Uh, enjoy it. And uh, guys, thank you once, once again. Uh, you know the drill. Read, rate, subscribe, review. See you next time. And you can also find us on Instagram. Inside the Green Room.